you know, we're, let us, let Opalus, the trustee, do what we do best, and you do what you do best, right, as a freelancer. You, you, you go as an independent worker, right? Go, go find opportunities, uh, build teams, build cool product, uh, change the world, and don't worry about, you know, whether or not you set aside and withheld the right amount of taxes and whether or not you've got good health care uh, or whether, you know, the IRS is going to question your accounting of, of cryptocurrency and, um, you know, accuse you of money laundering or something like that. Don't, don't, you don't have to lose any sleep. With Opolis, uh, we, we've got you covered. Welcome to Opolis Public Radio, where we dig into how a rapidly changing world is impacting our lives and what we can do about it, with a focus on freelancing, finances, and the future of work. On this episode of Opolis Public Radio, we dig into how the gig economy has evolved, what the current work landscape looks like with COVID-19, the structure of the employment commons, and how you can join the Opolis Genesis Guild. So welcome to episode three of Opolis Public Radio. Today, I'm joined by Eddie Pastor, our steward and co-founder of Opolis. He oversees um, our strategy and finance and has been with the project since the beginning. So since uh, this was all sort of uh, hashed out on the back of a napkin. Uh, Along with being responsible for the overall financial strategy and operational direction, Eddie um, assistant leading the product management and oversees our day-to-day ac- accounting, finance, and HR activities. So he's got quite a bit on his plate. So Eddie, why don't you tell a little bit about uh, how you got here and why you're still here? Yeah. Uh, hey, John. Thanks for having me. What's up, Eddie? Um, yeah. You know, working from home, like everybody. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. How did we get here? Um, I, I hogtied you and drug you and <laughs> I, I drug you into the back of my car and said, you're not going anywhere. Until Pretty much. I'm actually uh, chained to this desk right here. Right. Uh, so no, no. Um, I, you know, it's, it's been an interesting uh, journey for me. I, I never would have uh, expected to end up in employment, um, which, which I'm enjoying doing, but actually my background is in more finance and real estate. I uh, got my degree in real estate investments and development and did some of that for a while, commercial real estate acquisitions, uh, and then um, ended up actually, actually, John, while you were doing staffing, you helped me get a job at Inspirato. Uh, when they that was were, a long time ago. Man. That was a long time ago. Yeah, they were just starting out. I was one of uh, the early employees and, and um, over the years there, you know, helped raise uh, $70 million in capital. We acquired our, our competitor. Uh, did a bunch of crazy stuff, grew our revenue to over a hundred million, and I oversaw uh, the budget, the operational budget there. And then you and I were at a ball game, and I had some crazy idea to do a startup. And you said to me, "You know, Eddie, that sounds an awful lot like a staffing company." And I had no idea what that meant, but I sure do now. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do. I sure do. Uh, so, so yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. We've, uh, as you know, John, we've pivoted with some, with some different iterations of, of what we were trying to do all along, which was really balance the power between, uh, employee and employer. And, um, you know, as, as you know, we, we, uh, tried to approach that from the recruiting side of things, which, um, you know, we had some wins and we had, we had some lessons, um, 
and I think we came out of that uh, knowing a lot. And so now we've we've developed this new product, uh, the the Commons, the Employment Commons, which of course we're excited to announce today. Um, yeah, it's a big day. It's a big day. Yeah, several years in the making, and in, in terms of trying to really flush out uh, exactly what we're trying to solve here. But I, I think we've really we've really fine tuned it. And uh, well, being that the goal has always been to democratize employment, it, it you know we tried a bunch of different angles, but like this is the one that we feel like is the right one to actually create the baseline or the foundation, if you will, for individuals to actually experience equitable employment. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point of how we got here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the evolution of uh, where we're at with the gig economy and where we're at with the market in general, this is a, this is the perfect time. So there's a timing element here. And, and as you said, you know, we've always been trying to democratize uh, employment and we feel like this is, this is the way to really um, get that started. I, we've got a lot to do still, right? We're going to layer on much more functionality, uh, but we've got a base here. We've got a foundation that, that should really help freelancers um, with, with their employment. Well, what's really funny is we, we call them freelancers because that's kind of what we call them today. But like, it, it, this really fits everybody at scale, right? Like eventually it's not, we're not going to call people who work independently freelancers. We're going to call them just people that are work in work like work is going to change it just happens yeah. to be that the the initial cohort of of our you know call it target audience is really freelancers but you know in the end we're we're really moving toward um having this framework be available for everybody which i think is really exciting yeah it is exciting and, and in a lot of ways we're returning back to what folks did you know, prior to the 19th century, um, prior to actually even Henry Ford, right, with the 40-hour work week. Um, it, well, it, I think the stats are 1908, 88% of people were self-employed. Self-employed, probably working different sort of things, like doing different things, doing different trades. Tradesmen, however they could, yeah, yeah. However they yeah. could make a, a dollar, right? Um, s- stuff on the weekends, you know, maybe, uh, and then doing uh, some sort of trade during the week, maybe multiple trades. Uh, and so and that's really this, interesting this, that the, the, the Industrial Revolution, World War II, and the Great Depression drove everything towards what we know employment today. Yeah, it's interesting how much disruption happens with things like the depressions and recessions. Um, even out of the Great Recession, uh, you had, you know, the sharing economy really was born out of that, which, um, which led to a lot of the, the things that we consider to be gig economy now, um, like Uber and Lyft are the big, are the obvious ones, right? But there, there are so many others. Um, hundreds. Hundreds. And so, and so it, 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 will, it will be interesting to see what comes out of this recession that we're in now, um, because five years from now, I, I don't see the freelance slash gig economy getting smaller if anything it's getting bigger it's so big now it's well, it's impacting yeah, legislature the, pre- the prediction is is huge yeah and yeah i think percent we're projected to be involved in it this year 2020 50 percent within a couple of years and then 2028 it's like 90 million people or something i mean the u.s labor force is only 160 million or so kind of people yeah, one one uh, stat that I read actually predicted that by 2021, 
a, major, a majority of people will be participating in the gig economy. So, so over 50%. I mean, different studies say different things, but I wouldn't be surprised. So, you, you know, there's uh, some pros and there's some cons to this evolution. I, th I think people who are already participating in it know that uh, the, the freedom of working for yourself and, and just the pride that comes with that and the balance of power that you have with, with employers is, is a big win. Uh, but there are some downsides too. And that is that you, you have the administrative burden of handling um, your taxes and keeping track of, uh, of everything compl compliance related. Um, and some people, they don't know what they don't know. Um, you know, I mean, some people may end up with penalties and fines because they didn't follow certain things. And so with our product, you know, we'll get into that, but, um, that's one of the major things that we help solve is that it, we make it easy. We make it, uh, extremely hands-off, uh, for, for somebody to really uh, be self-employed and feel like they are working, you know, a, as a W2 worker, because in some ways they, they really are, but they control and own that, um, that relationship. So, uh, but yeah, the, the gig economy, nothing new, right? Um, the term gig actually came from, from like early 1900s, like 1915, when jazz mus musicians were doing gigs. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a, kind of a way to self self play, play a gig. Anyway, that, that um, continued on, as we mentioned, the Great Recession hits. And um, out of that, uh, staffing companies were born shortly after that. Um, and then by 1995, yes, yeah, uh, you mean the, the dot-com boom in like the early eight, the eighties is when the staffing companies popped up. Well, manpower came, um, if I'm correct, Kelly that staffing was, or Ke the Kelly yeah, girls Kelly. were like early, early eighties. That was like oh, early, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, I guess what you're saying is like the, the behemoths, like the, the conglomerates, the commercial staffing, like, mega staffing companies didn't really show up until like the early nineties. Right. The mega, the mega. Right. Um, but people were, were being hired, um, on demand, right. In 1940, 1950. There oh was yeah. This, yeah. This the, idea of like flexible labor has been around for workers. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Um, and it, it has been, and, and we just haven't really referred to it as the gig economy, uh, until, until more recently, but yeah, 1995, I think that I read that 10% of people were, were considered contingent or on demand or flexible workers. Right. And that, that number is much greater now. It's, uh, approaching 40%. So, uh, um, look at, look at Gen Z, 53% of them are already freelancing full time. They don't want full time jobs. That's the, the, you know, 22 and under ish crowd that's in the labor right. force now. Like they yeah. don't want full time jobs. Yeah, they're, um, active, they're actively like intentionally not wanting full time jobs. Why do you think that is? I have I have a I have a theory. Uh, well, I think there's there's benefits to uh, working on different projects, and be, the velocity of work is very appealing to somebody who who. Yeah, it's the freedom. Yeah, it's the, it's a it's freedom, freedom. And, it's a, and it's the challenge too. I mean, it's a, it can get quite boring um, staying at the same. job job for 10 years most people don't do that anyways uh, well they're not, they're, they're, the, the, the the corporate ladder and the 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 court like the corporate gambit that you know xers and boomers ran people don't want to do that anymore they're not they're not interested in it because the mirage of loyalty is gone yeah right? and, so and, and they I don't believe that well, if i stick around for 10 years there's no belief that there's actually going to be something better for them at the end of the rainbow like they're just like well 
I'd rather diversify my skills. I'd rather have more variety. I'd rather not be bored. I'd rather, you know, sample a lot of different things. Freedom and flexibility seems to have taken over. Don't you think? Yeah. And it, it could also be that, uh, the, the compensation and the benefits and the stock options just, just aren't as lucrative as maybe they were. Um, and so what's the incentive to, to stick with one exactly. company? There, um, there isn't any really. Yeah. And I think there are, I mean, there unless are you care about beanbags and, and ping pong and beer on tap, which I don't think most people care about really <laughs> as much as not, not maybe as much any, anymore. Um, it is a nice, nice perk to have when you're young, I guess. And, and, um, but you can get that with a, with a co-working space. You can have that in your basement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> or in your commons at your, at your condo complex. Like, yeah, I, I get it. Right. So, okay. Let's, right. let's so, fast forward now. You, you talked about the great, the great recession. So here we are in the great pandemic, right? 2020, mm-hmm. 36% of us workers were participating in the gig economy, which equates to 57 million people. And now we've got something like 36 million people. It might be slightly less than that now because we had two and a half million jobs added in the month of May, but like 30 million plus people that are literally out of work, out of work. And what's that going to, yeah, so do I, everybody does. I mean, you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't have, you know, a fifth of the U S workforce in and out of work. What is it now? 14% or something officially. And then add another five for those that have, kind of like chosen to not participate in the workforce for some reason. Right. So let's just say it's somewhere between 15 and 20% in reality, one in five. Okay. Like you have to know somebody that's unemployed, right? Like it's not possible that you don't. Um, what does it look like now? What, I mean, what, what, what's the next evolution in your mind for the gig economy? Well, I, as I said, I know some folks that are unemployed. Um, they have turned to Grubhub and you know Lyft, and uh, one of them actually got a job with a third party that does Amazon delivery. Um, mm. Those are those are just some you know side big hustles. examples of yeah side hustles, right? Play, and they're making holders. this their placeholders. This is their primary source of income now. And the question is, if if traditional jobs, when traditional jobs come back. Uh, will people have gotten so used to having that lifestyle? Um, will they want to go back to the traditional workforce? Um, and then the question is, will technology um, advance to help people participate more and more as, as a uh, independent worker? And that's partly what, what we're solving totally. too, is through our technology and through um, our platform. Um, we make it easy. So, so yeah, it, it's, I, I would predict it, it will grow more than the, the numbers uh, a, a year ago that, that everyone was predicting. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's going to just torpedo into the stratosphere. I think it's going to mm-hmm. move. I think the idea of the gig economy or whatever you want to call it, I, I prefer like the fluidity of work, right? Like, you know, we call it the gig economy, but it's morphing into something different. It's more morphing into like the way that we do business, right? It's morphing into, it's going to be common that people have more than one job. It's going to be common that people have more than one revenue stream. It's going to be common that people are going to call it de-risk their employment by not putting all their eggs in one basket. 
50 years ago, the notion of loyalty was really the key, right? So like, you know, Henry Ford built this system of incentives for employees to come work for car manufacturers, which were largely copied by other car manufacturers and then other corporations. Standardized work week, vacation, healthcare, benefits, retirement, pension, all these things were kind of new ideas. And in the beginning, they were competitive, right? So it was about competition for talent. And then fast forward 40 years and it becomes table stakes, right? So now everybody does it. If not, it's legislated that you have to do it. Mm. So we're sort of peeling out of that. And, um, you know, our friend Kevin Owaki over at Gitcoin calls it the unbundling of the relationship, right? Where the employee and the employer are sort of shifting the dynamics between their relationship and this, this sort of like, you know, I'm going to give you all of my time and all of my attention isn't really what people are expecting anymore. And in a lot of cases, people don't even want it on both sides, right? Like corporations are like, well, I don't really need you full time. And then, you know, the, the talent or the, the worker is like, well, you know, I've got these other gigs and these other opportunities. Can we figure out something in the middle? And I think this sort of fluidity and this flexibility is really going to become the norm. And then it, I'll give you an example. Let's say I had three or four different gigs going on at one time. Let's call it four just so I can do the math easier. And let's say one of them lays me off or just, you know, cuts off the contract. I'm in a much less risky situation than if I have all of my time and attention tethered to one, one client, right. Or one source. I yeah, mean, and to I can... me, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense that, that we're going to de-risk employment, not just, you know, have fun and diverse experiences and new learning and, you know, just you know, better work output and all that, but like we're actually creating economic sense. It's smart. It's, it's actually de-risking it for everybody. Yeah. And it, it becomes much more like a trade, you know, think of uh, painters uh, that are independently um, employed. They find opportunities and when there's work, they work and they might actually have a skill doing tile work as well. So they do some t- tile on the side um, it's similar, but it's with the, the creative class. It's with the um, you know d- developers and designers and um, people in marketing and accounting and and things like that. Uh, and and I think there are some situations, and this might be maybe more common, where you work on a project. Right, it's a three month project. You form a team of independent folks. You work on the project. You complete the project. Maybe it goes a little long. Whatever. Maybe you. St- start another one they sort of overlap but it's it's more project-based work is is how i would um kind of think of it um but yeah there will be there will be the folks that kind of split up their hours and they work 10 hours here and 10 hours there and 10 hours there we we have a a contractor right now that uh, flash flash organizations flash and so so, you know you can you can you can easily you can quickly and easily organize execute work product and then disband and then share in the rewards yeah exactly Um, and Right now, the traditional model is, especially in tech, is you would you would join a, a development shop, and you would be a team, and then someone doing business development with finance, and you would be told where to go, what client to, what project to work on, and you would you know have your team there, and then the house would take most of the of the revenue, right, and then give you a base salary that is like half of what they're billing the client. Uh, in, in, in the future, um, the benefit of flash uh, teams, as you called it, is there's no middleman. 
and there's no there's no house taking 50 percent um there might be a, a platform or some kind of technology that takes a reasonable fee but a 50 percent you know markup is uh, a little a little unfair to the world well, it's, it's it's pretty extractive i mean mm-hmm. we know that game pretty well and um you know having you and i together w2 tens of thousands of people in a staffing situation right so uh, no judgment, but it does seem pretty un, uh, unbalanced, in my opinion, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a good reason why we're not doing that anymore, right? I mean, we've yeah, I mean, it, made, it, it, we've made the commitment to democratizing that experience. That's right, right? It, for, for individuals. It it makes sense for a recruiter to get a a fee, a reasonable fee for finding an opportunity. I sure. agree with that. Uh, what what seems a little excessive is when um, a recruiter places a contract employee. And uh, makes you know five dollars an hour off of that person's work indefinitely for a year or for two years, right? Or forever. Or forever, however long they're placed there. That that seems a little excessive. So we're we're trying to balance that and put more money in the pockets of 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 the worker and the the person doing the work. But there's still value at every stage. So will will there still be a place for a recruiter? Sure, right? Will that will there be a fee paid to that recruiter? Yeah. Sure. Well, we've um, talked a lot about the, the role of the recruiter evolving from sales primarily to being more of a, like an advocate or a talent agent of sorts. That's right. right. I mean, we're that's, like a real estate agent or your, your, your tax. Yeah. Like where they're, uh, they're brokering advisor. one side or the other. Yeah. So, um, right. So do you want to, what do you want to discuss next? You want to get into where, where we're where we're at now, there's a lot of future stuff we're talking about, uh, but I'm excited for today because we actually have this product now uh, for freelancers to plug into and start seeing benefit right now. We don't have flash teams or things like that. that those are things that we want to get to, um, but you know we do have a lot of exciting stuff. So so the um, yeah, I guess I guess the the commons is official. Uh, it's the legal entity is incorporated. Uh, I guess we could talk about that, how that works, if you want. Yeah, sure. I got a little bit of lag on my side. Sorry about that. We're, no we're still getting our uh, tech ironed out on episode three here, making sure that we've got it all done correctly. Um, well, yeah, let's, let's talk about the commons and let's talk about what the heck it is and how somebody joins. So let, let's, let's unpack this a piece at a time here. So the employment commons, what is it? Oh, yeah, the employment commons. What is it? Okay, so... so uh, we have created um, a essentially a decentralized entity for employment. And what that means is it's a Colorado co-op and um, it's owned by its members and its members uh, will be, um, well, we have a couple layers. So there are, there are guilds, which um, are actually more like districts, I, I guess, legally. Um, but these are, uh, this is this is a, a mechanism, I guess, for for folks to join and and uh, have a governance uh, f- for their particular district or their guild. And and I imagine uh, people will join those based on location, where they work, what they do, um, maybe some of their political interests, um, and and otherwise. Uh, but so so if I am a freelancer. I need to have a company, right? That's, that's step one. I have to have uh, either an LLC or, you know, C, C Corp or an S Corp. And that entity then why joins. Do, why do I need to do that? 
Well, you need to do that for liability reasons, um, also for compliance reasons, because because you will, as as a freelancer, you're now going to use your company really as as the it is the the entity that will be billing folks, collecting revenue, and then also paying yourself as an employee. So this is a way for you to really control and and um, own your employment. So you need to have an entity. And in addition to that, you need to have, uh, you need to elect to be treated as either an S corp or a C corp at a federal level for tax purposes. And that's just so that everything's compliant, that you can employ yourself and, and that all of the taxes can kind of flow through our platform. So you don't have to worry about it. So I, I mean, I can unpack that more, but I think from a simple perspective, it's for compliance, for your protection. And it also creates, you know, some, some risk, um, well, some aversion of risk, really, uh, and and less liability on you as an individual. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what we're doing is we're really um, creating a framework, or what it does is give individuals corporate protections and risk mitigation and administrative protocols that that basically professionalize their their small business, their their individual work and revenue streams. Right. So it's it's not just well, I got this box of receipts and, and, you know, a lot of people don't take their accounting terribly seriously, but in the future of work, we're going to have to, right? Because everyone's still going to be expecting to pay their taxes and things. Yeah. Look, if you're, if you're going to work independently, um, you really are owning your own business. And, and so forming an entity is the best thing to do for many reasons, um, as you mentioned. So uh, it's not hard. You can form an LLC very quickly. Um, there are services that will do it for a couple hundred dollars, and, and it, it's very, very quick and easy. And I think there's a one form uh, for, for you to fill out, too. If you, if you form an LLC and then you want to uh, uh, elect to be treated as a C-Corp or an S-Corp, it's, it's one form that you file. And then you just need to make yeah, sure that it's you're... it's pretty easy stuff. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then really the, the difference between using your social security number just as an individual and then actually having an entity is now you have to file a, a corporate tax return at the end of the year. But you were having to do all of that accounting anyway, keeping track of your receipts, keeping track of your income. So now instead of doing that on your personal return, you know, you're taking all that information over into your, your business tax return. So, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so let, let's talk about the, the legal framework of this. And I know we're going to do a whole series on this with our legal steering committee. Uh, you have much neck of launch legal and uh, Jason Weiner of um, uh, Jason Weiner law and Boulder. Um, we're going to do that on our next episode, I think, but high level, it's a co-op, right? Co-op. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the, we're in the blockchain crypto space, right? But like, Really, this product we built this for regular people. I mean, the the Web three or blockchain technology that we're utilizing today is under the covers, or it's completely optional in the you know like uh, payroll and thing like that, things like that. But everything is being built for just regular people instead of you know expecting them to have to jump through a bunch of hoops to like you know manage private keys and things like that, right? So yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's an employment co op. Right. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's an, an employment co-op. And the reason we wanted to, to go that route is is because it's not owned by uh, one or 
it's not owned by a board of directors or investors or shareholders or anything like that. It's really truly owned by its members. Um, and Which can be lots of different kinds of people, right? So we haven't ex- excluded investors, but they just, it's more of a symmetrical distribution of value creation, right? Yes. Um, with an emphasis on benevolence and, and the, again, the balance between employee and employer. So this entity, this co-op technically becomes an employer of record. Um, and, and we can get into that later. Uh, but there's, there's no tragedy of the boardroom. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's, there's no, no one at the top saying, okay, great. We grew to a certain point. Now let's increase prices. We can, um, which is something you see like with Amazon, right? They, they had initially said several years ago that their mission was to keep prices low, as low as possible. That was their goal and their mission. They've changed that mission. That is no longer their mission. So um, they are not keeping prices lower than, than anything else. And they've been raising even their prime uh, membership for, for no, uh, re- no reason related to cost. It was purely profit. So we want to avoid things like that. So we, we, we do have that built in um, to the co-op. Yeah, well, we call that structural benevolence, right? So, you know, usually as platforms or ecosystems grow, the, the, the divide between consumers and the platform, the alignment grows apart, right? So what we're doing is we're, we're trying to maintain that, that alignment so that multidimensionally, not just shareholders benefit, right? It's contributors, users, members, suppliers, investors that all benefit. And the scalability of this, we believe, is, is much bigger than what you would see in a traditional, just, you know, corporate centralized interest strategy, right? This is, I mean, futuristically, this could be a global employment framework as a public utility for everyone which is, I mean, it's ambitious. I know. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, but like, you know, it, it excites me that we've, we've, well, we think we've solved a lot of the, the friction between, you know, the idea of decentralized technology and centralized governance systems, right? Because that's been one of my biggest, you know, complaints about the web three ecosystem is, you know, we got a lot of a really great technology, but when it comes to go to market or productizing, we've we've re- we really revert back to the centralized structure of corporations and centralized investors and centralized interests. And yeah, it, it's fine. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that if we're going to take the leap into the future and to really create a sustainable ecosystem for everybody to use, we've got to get to a place of stakeholdership, not shareholdership. Does that make sense? Where it's like that's right. So, uh, yeah, so not to say that there, there cannot and will not be investors. Uh, of course. And, and, not, and have to have there will not be value created uh, from this um, because that is definitely the goal. Um, and, and perhaps there's, uh, you know, we're still thinking through ways that the members would, would also benefit from a rise in, in value um, of what we're building. So, um, but right, yeah, yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Um, yeah, no, so- no problem. I mean, I, I love the idea of capitalism moving into a new chapter of its life to be more community-based, right? Network-based capitalism, where it's multidimensional shareholder or stakeholder value creation, and you could play any number of roles inside the ecosystem, including investor, but instead of operating from a place of scarcity, 
we're now saying that value creation can be scaled infinitely, right? I mean, in theory, mm-hmm. I mean, this is greenfield stuff. So like, I haven't really seen anybody yet in the mainstream of things successfully launch a kind of a new age or next generation web three powered enabled technology that's been mass adopted. Right. I mean, no one's done it yet. And, um, I mean, our theory is that everybody needs employment and it makes it very easy for people to onboard to the space. Yeah. Employment is a sensitive thing. It's, it's not like you're making a widget and uh, it's the most sensitive thing. Yeah. It's the most sensitive thing. And it's where we spend a majority of our time, right. As it work. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing maybe even a shift to capitalism now uh, with this pandemic because uh, large employers you know, they're having to be faced with this decision of what do we do with our employees? Uh, what do we do? And many of them are choosing to continue to employ folks. Um, and, and that's a very different approach than I think companies were taking before the pandemic. And so you're seeing kind of the shift of, like, oh, uh, this recognition of, well, we're largely dependent on our employees. This is people-based and like people uh, really uh, drive a company. And maybe, hopefully, there's a little bit more of appreciation of that after this is all said and done. But uh, I think that's what we have in mind, is that we we know that work is sensitive, and we're dealing with people's lives here. So this is the last thing you would want to try to maximize and, ex- you know, extract as much as you can from your from your customers who happen to be the people, the workers, right? So that's that's why we have to strike that balance between we're we're providing a service, so let's let's have a reasonable uh, of reasonable service fees built in. If we integrate with other partners and add different features and functionality, there you know there will probably need to be kind of some pay-as-you-go, a la carte, cafeteria plan type thing where uh, people pay for what they what they use. Um, yeah, they pay for what they consume. I mean, that's been our whole theory the whole time is, you know, making the base framework super low cost and as close to free as possible. And then also being transparent about pricing, right? Because we are going to be using uh, algorithms and bonding curves to determine price long-term. Right. And and then secondarily, you know, people have the total choice to choose what they want to consume, right? So if they don't want to pay for a service or if they want to do it on their own or if they want to have somebody else do it, they can. Yep. So, um, so I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess we covered the legal structure and the, and the co-op more to come on next episode. Yeah, uh, for sure. Everyone gets to meet the, the, the legal team, which would be great. So let's talk, but, to, um, let's talk about features and let's talk about the big one, healthcare, right? Healthcare. Yes. So health, healthcare, when, when we did our um, surveys of freelancers, you know, co-working space people, gig workers, the, the number one thing that they talked about that was most important to them was the difficulty to find good healthcare. And when I say good healthcare, it's a combination of quality of the plan and the expense, right? So you can get cheap plans or catastrophic plans, but they're not good coverage. So it's really covering both, right? How do I get a high quality healthcare plan at an affordable price? Right. So Many uh, independent contractors or, or self-employed folks right now go to the exchange. They go to what's Obamacare, right? And it's state-ran and it differs by state. Um, and if you make over a certain amount of money, um, 
in Colorado, I think it's close to $60,000. There's no government assistance. And so you're paying full price. And in a lot of ways you're having to, you're having to pay in to help subsidize folks who, who do make less, right? So if you're making a decent income and you go to an exchange to get healthcare, you're not, you're not really able to get a, uh, you know, a lot of great options or you're going to pay for it. Um, and maybe they have some cheap plans, but the quality isn't there. And there's, there's so many nuances in healthcare, right? There's co-pays and co-insurance and out-of-pocket maxes and deductibles and all these different things. And it can be very confusing. Um, I think one of the downsides of the exchange though, most of the time is that the network is small they tell you exactly where you can go in terms of like urgent cares and hospitals and doctors and things like that. Um, and it can get complicated when you are traveling out of state with our, with our plan um, through the, the employment commons and, and, and through these, this sort of legal structure, we're able to uh, group everyone together under one group plan. So this is truly you know, what a uh, mid-sized company um, would be able to get with with their employees, right, and offer their folks. So if you've been a W-2 worker and you've had good benefits, that was a group plan. Uh, that's what we are able to offer freelancers now. So by joining as a, as a member under your uh, entity, we make it really easy for you to employ yourself, get a paycheck, we withhold the taxes, you get access to these benefits. And, you know, they range from, if you're just an individual, they range from about $260 a month to our most expensive plan is uh, just over $400 a month. And it's a very rich plan, $500. You're just talking about the individual, right? The individual, yeah. And we also have uh, employee plus spouse or employee plus children or um, family. And the the rates go up from there. Just like anybody else offers. Just like anybody else offers. Uh, so, yeah, so course. you can go on the, yeah, the just commons. like anybody else offers. So you can go to commons.opolis.co today and you can check out uh, what we have to offer. There's a um, benefit guide you can download. And um, if you go through the onboarding process there, you know, you can pick which things you want. Now also uh, that includes vision, the prices that I, that I gave you. So that's, that's a package deal of, of uh, medical and vision. Yeah. Well, hang on. Let me just summarize this. So what you're telling me is that, or what you're telling our audience, I should say, because I already know this, right? But like, <laughs> yeah. what, you're, what you're telling our audience is that individuals working independently can become a member of the Opolis Employment Commons and access top drawer health insurance with a top tier provider that has national access like for much less than what they could find on the open exchange. That's right. So we we have um, we have chosen Blue Cross Blue Shield, and it is a massive network, and it's national, of course. Everyone's heard of the name, uh, and you can go to Blue Cross Blue Shield, and you can go to their site, and you can find a doctor, and you can you can see. I mean, they they have more than more than enough uh, providers. So it, it is very robust. It's national. Uh, you can travel from state to state, and you can look in network and and there you go. Every urgent care practically will be in there. And, uh, of course, primary care physicians and everything else. So, uh, very exciting and it's extremely affordable. 
I, I would say in many cases it will be cheaper than the exchange and it, and it will be much better in terms of quality of, of the plan. Yeah. And you can do that today. You can join today. And in addition to that, you know, there are other benefits to joining. Uh, um, so besides the healthcare, uh, we take the, the burden of, of doing, uh, remitting taxes, withholding things, withholding your benefits, right? So, uh, the, so we refer to these as trustee services, right? So the Opolis trustee provides services to the employment commons that ultimately ensures that all these individuals are compliant with withholdings and benefits administration and reports and reporting and whatever needs to be done. Exactly. At a state level, local level, federal level, um, we, we ensure that the, the right taxes are, are being paid, withheld and paid, and, um, and all of the, the regulation is being followed. Now, for those of our friends in the cryptocurrency space, you can get paid in, in, in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDC, and DAI, right? So how does that work? Is that compliant too? I mean, we... Absolutely. Tell tell them a little bit about how we do yeah, that. Yeah. So on our dashboard, you can you can easily you know select what percentage of your of your net pay you want paid out in in what currencies. Uh, and so what we'll do then is um, on the back end, you know, right when we uh, process payroll, we're going to you know docu- document and report the value of the currency at that time. Um, and just like we do with USD, we're going to withhold the federal income tax because it is, it is wages, right? You're getting paid wages, um, but you're getting wages in the form of property, uh, which is the currency. And so we take the value of that, of that currency at that time, and we do everything that we would do with USD. So uh, your, your federal income tax, your state income tax, uh, and we would even, you know, uh, liquidate some of that to, to help uh, any of the benefits, any of the deductions that you might have, like an HSA, all of that. And, and by the way, we're, we're not charging any exchange fees either. So you're getting cryptocurrency without having to, you know, go to Coinbase and pay them uh, some, some percentage uh, every time you want to, to exchange. So, but at the end of the day, the, the experience is like this, you know, you, your wages are $5,000. Let's say you want a thousand dollars in, in Bitcoin. So that's gross. We take all out all the taxes and do all the accounting for you. And then at the end of the day, you have a net amount of Bitcoin, let's call it $800 um, in your wallet. And then you have the, the remaining net pay in USD in your personal bank account. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it makes it essentially completely compliant for individuals to accept crypto, cryptocurrency as bona fide payroll. And it makes it also easier not beholden to the, to the employer to have to pay in that currency. So in theory, somebody could pay and die and somebody could take Bitcoin, right? Or if, I wanna, if they want to pay in USD and I want to take 20% Ethereum, 20% USDC, 20% die and the rest in USD, I could do that. That's right. And, cool. and, in, and in a lot of ways, maybe it's just a convenience thing. Maybe it's, it's just a way to just make it that much more automated so that you're not having to, you, maybe you, you want to just continuously invest in those, in those currencies. Um, well, and it's automatic now, right? It's just happening twice a month, just like your pay. 
and and uh, on that note, I mean that's that's a lot of what we're offering too is the administrative services, the automation, financial automation. You're not having to keep track of the tax that you're going to have to report quarterly as an independent anymore. Um, it's all done. Because you're an employee. You're, you're your own you're, employee. You're, you're, you're your Self-sovereign own self-sovereign employee. Self-sovereign. You control your employment, but but you are an employee. You get a paycheck. Uh, the the taxes are withheld, they're remitted. You're getting a W-4 at the end of the year, so your tax returns are very easy. You do have that corporate tax return that you have to do, but again, that's really more related to business expenses like buying a computer or you know certain sur- subscriptions and things like that, um, which you would be doing anyway. So it's it's a lot more hands off and it's a lot more stress free. You know, I, I I know folks who who make a decent amount of money um, and they don't really keep track of how how much of that is tax at the end of the year, right? And so they get the 1099s at the end of the year and they're somewhat shocked that, oh, $20,000 I owe the government. Right. Uh, right. I hope they still have it, right? Some people spend it. And then what happens, right? I actually know someone who's um, who's been tracked down by the IRS and they are garnishing her bank account. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> don't, there's no need to do that. You can join well, especially with all, Especially with all the, you know, just question marks around the cryptocurrency space. If if you have any interest in that, do it this way. You know, I mean, if we if we want to legitimize the the movement, what better way than to integrate it into payroll and make it part of everyday life? What it seems to me that they really care about, as you just mentioned about your friend, is just that people pay their taxes, right? And we can we can thumb our nose at that all day long, but that's just going to land us in jail, right? So, my theory is like, if we really want mass adoption, let's just integrate it into the existing structure and make it easier for people to get it. Let's make it easy. And that, and that's what we do. And this might sound daunting to a lot of people and, and, and it sort of is right. And, and um, I think if, if, if folks go to our site, sign up, I mean, it is a, a true onboarding and it's a, it's a legal thing. So there are forms that we require um, to be compliant, but once you get past that process, it's, it really is, set it and forget it. It's like clockwork. It's predictable. It's the first and third Friday of, of every month. You get a paycheck. We, you fund that nine days before. The invoice is sent to you um, before that. You connect your bank account. The funds uh, come out of your business bank account and they get pushed into your personal account. So once you're all set up, you know, we're, let us, let Opolis, the trustee, do what we do best. And you do what you do best, right, as a freelancer. You, you, you go as an independent worker, right? Go, go find opportunities, uh, build teams, build cool product, uh, change the world. And don't worry about, you know, whether or not you set aside and withheld the right amount of taxes and whether or not you've got good health care or whether, you know, the IRS is going to question your accounting of of cryptocurrency and, um, you know, accuse you of money laundering or something like that. You don't have to lose any sleep. With Opolis, we've got you covered. All right. So let's... um... Let's just kind of wrap it into like, all right, well, what's live today, Eddie? What do we need to do? What does somebody need to do if they want to join the commons? What do they got to do? Go to commons.opolis.co and walk through the steps. Uh, it, it's fairly straightforward. You'll need your business documents. You'll need some forms of ID um, and you'll need a business bank account to connect. 
but uh, basically you can choose your, your healthcare uh, options there. And oh, and by the way, not just, it's not just medical that we offer, we offer dental. And um, we also have short-term disability, long-term disability, uh, basic life, um, and vision is included in, in the medical. And so uh, you can s- sort of pick and choose to some extent, although everyone, everyone um, will have the benefit of getting the short-term, long-term, and life. So you pick your options there. The, the, the tool will walk you through it. You connect your bank account and then you stake. And what that really is, is it's your prepaying next month's um, insurance. So whatever, whatever you did decide to choose, we need to collect one month. Uh, we will, we will then store that you as stake a deposit, right? It's a deposit of sorts. Right. And, and so if, if you leave the platform for any reason and um, there are no outstanding medical premiums, then we would return that those amounts to you. Um, so, so in a way it's, you know, you're staking, it's a deposit. It's kind of like a pre you're prepaying for the next month's insurance because we're, we're always paying, um, a month in advance. Right. So, uh, and, and then that's it. Someone from the Opolis team will reach out to you and, and help you get fully onboarded. Uh, you, you'll need to estimate, you know, how much you're, you, you expect to make. And, and what I mean by that is how much you expect to bill your clients, um, in a given year. So say, you know, you're, you're thinking about $80,000 is what you would collect, uh, from different, different employer clients or different sources, you would put that in there and then we would back into what a net wage would be after all the other expenses. Uh, and then you connect your personal bank account and, um, or you just give us the account number and, and we would ACH those funds over to you on the first and third Friday. Um, and so we've got support. Uh, we've got, a, we've got a team available to answer questions if you have them. But I think it's it's as straightforward as it's ever going to be to become a self-sovereign worker through the commons with Opolis as the trustee ensuring that the compliance is taken care of uh, and that we're meeting all your needs. It's pretty great, man. It's been a long time coming. Um, I mean, a long time. Long time. To, to figure out how to democratize employment and maintain the right incentives and the right structural benevolence and the right tech and... Oh my goodness. The choreography of this has been quite a bit. So thank you for your time today, Eddie. And thank you for your contribution to this massive effort. I mean, I certainly will speak for myself and I know the team feels the same way. I couldn't do it without you. And it's been a a monumental effort on behalf of so many different people, but you've been critical to it. So just publicly, I just wanted to thank you for just being you and for contributing to you know, this vision and this, uh, this belief. So yeah, thanks. Thanks, John. It's been, it's been a privilege and an honor and it's definitely been a a ride. So (laughs) that's no uh, joke. Let's keep it going. So we have some questions here. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, just in, in, if I'll just kind of remind the, uh, the viewership here that if you've got questions, you can dump them into the Q and a section. I've got four of them right now. So I'm going to try to, answer them to the best of my ability. If I don't do a good job, do, do a good enough job, feel free to reach out to us and uh, we'll do our best to answer questions. I mean, we're, we're, we've been working on this for quite some time, but I'm sure there's going to be some things that we haven't quite comprehensively enough covered in our FAQs or whatnot. Um, so just uh, bear with us as we, um, we roll all of this out. So the first question is from Todd Youngblood. Thanks, Todd, for the question. He said, do you imagine adding options for organizations like design studios and or creative agencies who depend heavily on freelancers 
as a strategist in a design studio, I think they would be interested in using this type of blockchain prior platform to manage equity and or revenue sharing contracts. So this is a really, really good question. Um, we get asked a lot about decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs and how are we different from a DAO? What is it, what, you know, or we're, you're an employment DAO. It's like, well, kind of. The way that we see it is we're a decentralized employment organization or the commons acts as a decentralized employment organization with guilds inside of it that basically have their own um, goals and you know, viewpoints on things and the governance is handled in a decentralized way. Um, but from a consumption of services, um, this would kind of talk about one of the futuristic elements and layers of what we're talking about. So there are a few players in the cryptocurrency space that we're talking about building um, these type of, you know, sort of procurement mechanisms, if you will. Whereas, you know, an entity or a, a corporation is using the services of groups of people and distributing value to these individuals on some sort of recurring basis, right? So um, let's say it's monthly or quarterly and I'm, I'm, you know, receiving this value, but it's not really just me. It's a group of people, right? So how would, how would this work? Well, one of the features that will be coming to Opalist will be the ability to tie in other, like directly your revenue streams. So whether it's coming from, uh, you know, a decentralized autonomous organization or a DAO, or it's coming from some other corporate entity or, you know, whatever it is, you'll be able to tie these in um, so that uh, you'll be able to like directly pipe in your resources. Okay. Your, your compensation, in other words. Now, as it relates to the, the agencies themselves, um, what this does is it ultimately will create a marketplace of, of talent. So, as the ecosystem develops and as there becomes a concentration of talent like designers or uh, creatives that might be interesting to a design agency of sorts, then absolutely. Now, if, if a design agency is looking to use this type of mechanism to de-risk themselves in the form of like, well, maybe offering this as an option to freelancers to use the commons to you know, basically offer health insurance and such to individuals. Absolutely. Um, we've got a large staffing company out of New York city, actually, who we're partnering with on that exact front. They've got a fairly significant amount of their uh, workforce is 1099, but these folks have no interest in being W2s and they, they don't, really have any of the underpinnings that you would normally see in an employment relationship. So um, there's absolutely conversations that can be had on this topic. So Todd, if you have any specific, if you want to talk more about that, feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to unpack it and see where we are in the process and what we'd be able to do to help set that up for you. The next question uh, we have is from Tommy Cox. What's up, Tommy? Long time no chat. Um, he said, what if I'm outside the United States? Are these benefits only applicable within the U.S.? So the way healthcare works, well, let me, let me back up. So first and foremost, we are currently launching only in the U.S. for U.S. qualified workers. Okay, so in other words, you have, you have to be a U.S. citizen. And the services of Opolis, the accounting components, or the financial automation, if you will, will absolutely apply to, to anybody anywhere. Um, so it doesn't matter where you are. Now, the trick with this is healthcare. If you're working outside of the U.S., healthcare has restrictions on what covers you and where. 
So we're in Spain and you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, it's almost 100% for you because you're not on U.S. soil. So there are exclusions to the healthcare coverage itself. So if you are working domestically, then you're totally fine. And even if you're, you know, traveling or whatever, you know, sort of intermittently, that should be okay too. It'd be probably an out-of-network expense. Um, but there's nuances to that. Now, if, if you're spending lots of amount of time out of the country and you're um, not coming back anytime soon, you it, it would probably not be at this stage of the game something from a healthcare standpoint that would cover you entirely. But that would have it has nothing to do with really what we're offering as Opolis. It's really just how the healthcare system works in general here in the U.S. If again, if you have more questions, Tommy, feel free to reach out to us, and I'd be happy to answer them for you or if we need to talk through any specifics. Uh, TK, what's up, Taylor? Um, could you speak to the benefit of Opolis over typical social media, social healthcare, i.e. health first in Colorado? Yes, okay. The first thing you have to understand about Opolis is it's not, we're not just doing this so people can get healthcare. This is a much grander play at scale. We're vertically integrating the entire employment experience. So healthcare is just a component. Uh, we do plan on diversifying the options of healthcare as much as we can over time. Uh, we do plan on pushing for legislation that offers that, as well as um, just diversifying as much as we can when it comes to the services, products, and offerings that come through the Opolis Commons. Um, now, that said, if people only want healthcare, I mean, Health First in Colorado is probably a decent way to find it. I mean, you can go to the open exchanges as well. We're not trying to replace the healthcare system. What we're doing is vertically integrating the entire experience. Now, the reason why we're doing this might not be obvious today, but futuristically speaking, if you had a commercial dashboard, your commercial identity that housed your employment, your paychecks, your history, your wallets, like your retirement plans, your insurances, and opportunities galore, wouldn't that make a lot of sense to have it in one place? This is the vertical integration and the optimization of people's commercial experience. If you want to think about it from a technological standpoint, although it's not a technological activity, we see this as the commercial protocol of a person's experience um, in their life, right? So aggregating everything to one place where they can manage it self-sovereignly, own their own work, own their own data, control all of their own features and functions, we think is really important. Secondarily, um, Health First in Colorado is, in my understanding, is a local to Colorado thing. Uh, they can only scale so much. In the context in which we've built this as a cooperative, as a commercial enterprise, uh, we can scale this nationally as big as we want. And the bigger we get, the more advantageous it is for users. So long-term big picture, it's just a much more comprehensive approach to you know, providing this type of service. Thanks, Taylor. Um, all right, all right. Well, let's see. I think that's all of the questions we have for now. Let's see. I guess uh, we're right at uh, we're right at time anyway. So, um, thank you for joining us on this Opolis uh, Public Radio episode, Eddie. I've had a great time chatting with you. Thanks again for everything Likewise. you do, my friend. Uh, so, for all of you those listening or watching this, remember to subscribe to Opolis YouTube channel for more videos like this, and subscribe wherever you, wherever you listen to the podcast if you prefer. The audio version. If you are a freelancer or a gig worker looking for an employment solution or to become a self sovereign worker, 
make sure to join the Employment, Opolis, uh, employment Commons today. That's O-P-O-L-I-S dot C-O. You can join today. We'll see you in the Inthersphere. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you liked the episode. If you did, please leave us a rating or review and don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.